All right, well, uh, welcome, listener, to the first episode of the EDH Takes podcast. I am Elijah Samuelson, and I'm here with my good friend, Spencer Cook. Howdy. And today we're going to talk about something that's long been near and dear to my heart when it comes to the EDH format, and that is the color combination of red and white. It's long been said that Boros isn't the most viable color combination. And Spencer, I think we kind of, we have some disagreements with that, at least in the year of 2020. Yeah, it's certainly. Soon to be 2021. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, uh, there's been a lot of complaints, and people continue to make those complaints, and we're just here to address some of the, the weaknesses and what we believe to be uh, strengths of Boros in Commander. Yeah, hopefully we can kind of uh, lay out some of the you know, the deck building tips and stuff that people don't really get. Um, they think that, you know, there's a lot of problems with Boros, and, you know, there are problems, but a lot of them are a little bit overblown. Yeah, I, I think so. I think especially now, like, they're, they used to be big problems, like, undeniably, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that was maybe exacerbated by, like, just the way that people make commander decks yeah, and how they see, like, what you're supposed to be doing in the format, like... Obviously, in, in a format where ramp and card advantage are probably the most important things, you could see how, how white and red might seem less than viable when those are act, those are probably the things that they struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. But I think it's uh, an interesting part of magic that each color has its strengths and weaknesses. And I think that if you focus too much on ramping and drawing cards in Boros, that you can... It, it lends you. It makes you play a lot of cards that aren't really that efficient, like stuff like Mind's Eye. Like obviously, like like a green deck has weaknesses in like creature removal, but you won't see them playing like something like All Is Dust or I mean, um, Scour from Existence. Yeah, just to exile a creature. But people play Mind's Eye or like less efficient card draw cards just because they think that's the most important thing to do. Yeah, you really don't want to be doing that. You really want to try to you know lend yourself to the um, the pros of the colors, as well as just playing better cards. I don't think you really want to play bad cards just to try to fit, you know, like a, a niche that your colors can't really do. Like, Mind's Eye is really not... I don't think that card ever is very good, honestly. Yeah, like, say you put 10 extra cards in your Boros deck to help you try and draw cards, but they're all, like, inefficient ways of doing it. You're just going to be, like, drawing cards that aren't good. Like, why not just increase your overall card quality mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk about a lot of that later on in the show yep but we're going to start off with some of the reasons like why people consider boros to be bad and the first the major thing is lack of card draw and we believe that there's actually quite a few ways that you can achieve that in the colors oh yeah a lot or at the very least you know card advantage card draw they all fall into the same category i'd say yeah because i mean games are won with with card advantage not just card draw and there's there's many ways to achieve that outside of just a spell that says like draw three cards yep so we're going to start off um we're going to talk about like rummaging wheels impulse draw uh red actually has a lot of card draw i'd say yeah for sure especially nowadays like i don't think red has like people can make that complaint but like sure it doesn't have the spell that just straight draws you cards but it's got really efficient card advantage. Mm-hmm. It's all really cool because, uh, you know, it's not trying to do the same thing as other colors. You know, red's pretty unique in the way that it draws cards. And I think people have 
least in the last you know two or three years, people are starting to realize that you know this is kind of just how red does it, and you know that it's each they, they, there's a lot of cards that aren't great, but there's a lot that are you know pretty pretty permissible, and people are really starting to play those these days. So saying you know Boros can't draw cards, like well we we agree that red can draw cards, so why can't Boros draw cards? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a weird thing. Like it's not a Something I don't think a color combination gets worse by like adding, by adding a color. color. Like like saying yeah. that like a red deck gets worse when you add white. That doesn't really make sense to me. No. Um, and then speaking of white, now I would agree that that white has somewhat of a problem with card draw, but it has effects like land tax and weather wafer, like those land searching effects mm-hmm. to get lands into your hand, which are a form of card draw. It doesn't necessarily get you like gas in hand like spells. Yeah. But, especially in Boros, you can combine those effects with Rummaging to, like, say, activate a land tax and then have a card that, like Faithless Looting, you can rummage away those lands and get actual spells so you're up cards in hand. Yeah, and um, what the thing that, like, really lends that to be card advantage is that many of the cards, you know, search for multiple lands. And if you combine that with Looting, you know, like, when you... Even a card that's not even not even that great, like a Rescuous Explorer can, you know, draw you one, two, three planes, and then that's, you know, if you loot them away, that's 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 literally card draw. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, like, in a, say, like a mono-white deck, or in a Boros deck, even, like, you could have a one-land hand with yeah. a Weathered Wafer yeah. and a land tax, and if you're not going first, you're probably going to be able to activate that, and then you just, being able to keep more, like, gas in that opening hand... Mm-hmm is card advantage you have seven cards in your hand for the first five turns of the game unless you double spell and then you have six cards in your hand like it's yeah i mean in my opinion in like especially less competitive games i'll often keep a land tax over a one land hand with soul ring like i feel like yeah no all the time that's that's my favorite opener yeah yeah one land hand land tax one land or two lands with weather wayfarer are very strong i'd say and then uh so combining those two things i have what i call the three R's of Boros. This is my really, this is my my cringe thing that I came up with. But the three R's are rummaging, recursion, and revenge. <laughs> so that mostly means uh, pairing Red's rummaging effects with White's recursion, or even uh, Red has uh, recursion effects. You can achieve like a kind of card advantage while also often cheating mana costs. So say like Red for recursion has stuff like. Mostly for artifacts, um, in the form of, like, Goblin Welder, Goblin Engineer, Scrap Mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, Felden is a really interesting card to, in a way, get creatures back from your graveyard, if only for a turn. And But now we have the card Underworld Breach, which is probably one of the better recursion cards Yeah, in that card's format. insane. Arguably, maybe one of the better red cards in all of Commander. For sure. And White has a ton of recursion in the form of stuff like Sun Titan, Replenish... Emeria Shepherd, Sabine's Reclamation, Karmic Guide, Rebel Arc, Teshar, Loyal Retainers. It, it does it mostly for creatures or more specific things, but like it's a really expensive card. But since like we started playing on Magic Online, I've been playing Replenish, and like if you can like Faithless Looting, play yeah. some huge enchantments, <laughs> and like turn three or four play Replenish, like that's kind of like ramp isn't it like yeah and you didn't even expend any like cards to do that you didn't like have to you know use three cards you pretty much just you know used one and a half cards for the big looting is the half card I yeah guess. or like rummage away some huge legendary creature and then play loyal retainers get it back for three mana like 
It's pretty cool. Yeah, and one of the most important things about this this like recursion like style that Boros has access to is that these cards aren't they're they're all just really good cards. Like you're not putting like bad recursion cards in your deck to try to fit a theme. You're just playing cards that are good on their own that end up pairing well with other cards that are good on your own cards that loot. So when you have like a Sun Titan or you know like a Felden like they're they're just very powerful cards that are never going to be bad. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you need rummaging or wheels to make recursion cards good. Like your stuff's just going to die in a game of commander. So yeah. you always want some of that, I feel. Mm-hmm. And then um so on to the next subject, we have the uh the recruiter creatures, which by that we mean a creature that enters the battlefield and tutors up another card type. So that in itself is a two for one. You're playing you get the creature on board and you get a card in your hand. And then if you can blink or recur that creature, you can repeat that effect to get more cards in hand, which is card advantage. Yeah, and people will say um, that, you know, these don't really count as card advantage because there are several, you know, recruiters that are like 1-1s or 1-2s or whatever they are. But, I mean, there are, there are you know, a solid number of, of, uh, of recruiter creatures that are, like, reasonable power and toughness. Like, uh, what's the 3-mana 3-3 three three, uh the, that, that searches for a one drop. That card, like, is... Oh, yeah, Ranger Captain. Ranger Captain of Eos is, like, a really good body, and then he gets, like, a one drop where there's, you know, there's a lot of um, utility one drops you can play, like, Weather Wayfarer is one of the best ones. Yeah, there's this weird thing in Commander, I think, where people kind of, like, discount, like, a board presence as, like, not being card advantage. Like, you play a card out, and they're like, oh, well, that that one one you have, or that two two, doesn't really count for much, because yeah. that's not how a lot of games are won. But you're still oftentimes able to use that creature if it's not for attacking, for like something like Skull Clamp or yeah. Sacrifice yeah. Outlets. Yeah, you recruit the guard gets Skull Clamped or it holds a Sword of the Animus and, it, and it's good. Yeah, you have some value for having creatures on board, even if that's just attacking and blocking. Get sacrificed to a you know, Goblin Bombardment, you know, ping something down. You know, creatures matter, so, yeah. And then uh, on that same theme, we have stuff like uh, good creatures to flicker, like Wall of Omens or Farsight Adept. Again, those like two-for-one creatures that... If you can just repeat that effect, you are able to get kind of like card draw out of that. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people, I think, look past Farsight Adept. I don't think I've seen many people play that card at all. That's the uh, 3 3 from uh, the recent set that yeah, draws. Zendikar Rising. Yeah, Zendikar Rising, but it draws a card for you, for 3 mana for 3 3, and it draws a card and it draws a card for an, an opponent of your choice when it comes into play. Like, usually you can kind of uh, maneuver a situation where drawing one card for an opponent is going to be not even, like, I wouldn't even say, like, not that bad. I'd say almost, like, neutral or slightly advantageous because you can use it for political things but other than that like having a 3-3 that draws a card when it enters in the boros colors kind of just fits with what you want to be doing in the colors hitting people and stuff like that so yeah it helps you get that ahead on board without being like behind in your hand yeah and if you're not convinced i'd, I'd recommend just to try the card out and see how it feels because when you you know draw a, a hand your opening hand and you see a far side adept in your hand you're gonna be like wow this hand is suddenly keapable because i've got a body for my equipment and I can, you know, draw into more lands than I need to hit, so. Yeah, and that's the big thing about card draw, is being able to hit your land drops, and that really helps you stay in the game. Yeah. And, yeah, especially in a more uh, casual setting, like, we don't like to play this way very often, but you, some people can use that, like, target player draws a card at, to their advantage, like, hey, you want to be my friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And then uh, one of my favorites for card draw on Boros is the Monarch mechanic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Arguably, Boros is the best color combination set up to take advantage of that. Very good in combat. White, I think, is a really good defensive color. 
And so you've got good cards like Palace Jailer, um, and now in Commander Legends, we just got a bunch more uh, Monarch cards. Yeah. Like Archon of Coronation, or the Court Cycle. Yeah. But even just playing, like, the the 4-mana 2-4 Palace Sentinels, that makes you the Monarch. Like, just getting the Monarch in the game, if you can hold on to that for a couple turns, or even always take it back by your end step... Maybe occasionally your opponents will draw a couple cards off of it, and it will make people want to attack you. But it's it's always a good form of card advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, and I and I would definitely recommend Palace Jailer as a card to try out. That card has been you know very powerful as a monarch tool, but also just removing something. It's pretty good. Yeah, Palace Jailer is often like we were talking about with the recruiter creatures being a two for one. I feel like Palace Jailer is oftentimes a three for one because it enters. It's a two two. It exiles a creature your opponent controls. And then you draw a card on your end step. Yeah, maybe more, so... And especially, like, they uh, get the creature back when they become the monarch. So if you blink Palace Jailer, they're not getting the creature back when it leaves. Yeah, and oftentimes people will put their commander... If you blink, if you try to Palace Jailer their commander, they'll they'll uh, put it back in the command zone. Yeah, because they don't want to have to wait until they can get the monarch back. Like, sure, the monarch, you have to be more careful about, like, when you put a monarch card into play. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, even Palace Jailer, there's usually especially like on turn three or four, like a decent board state where you can get some value off of that. Yeah, and the new white court is very good. I, I quite like that one. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, moving on, I guess we should probably talk about, you know, some of the mana sinks. That yeah, you even do. just like having a mana sink is a good way. It's not necessarily card draw or... Not even... Yeah, not really card advantage, but it is it is a way for you to, to, to do things in the game, even if you are running out of cards. Yeah, it gives you game actions on board. Yeah. So stuff like Luminarch Ascension, um, I was, man, I hate to say it's a new card because it's like almost a year old now, but Dawn of Hope, yeah. um, stuff like Eldrazi Displacer, or we put, um, it's a little different, but like Mirror Entity is a good way, like if you just have a big board and you untap and you have like one or two cards in your hand or you're top decking, yeah. it's just a good way to spend your mana for a turn. For sure, you can, you know, threaten a lot of damage on people, it's pretty nice. And then we have creative card types and by that we mean stuff like uh more recently we've gotten the uh modal double face cards in zendikar rising or the adventure cards in eldraine yeah and it's just these just as cards to kind of add more value to your deck like for example the mobile the modal double face cards kind of are a little bit of card advantage because they're spells we need them they're lands we don't so they're pretty you know pretty versatile i'd say yeah i'd i'd say uh they're like like you want to hit your land drops for sure. in Boros, in my opinion. I mean, that's I think that's always good, no matter what kind of deck you're playing. But they let you play a higher land count without necessarily like taking gas away from your deck, and so I you think, don't get flooded so easily. Yeah, I think the biggest, honestly, the biggest um, upside to the modal double face cards is they let you keep a wider range of opening hands. So when you when you have an opening hand with one planes and two modal double face cards. You know, if those were any other cards in your deck, you just have to mulligan that. But because you know they're mo- the modal double face cards, you can play them as a land. Like they're just they're just like really good in that that situation. So yeah. I'd, I'd recommend them. Oh, especially the the mythic rare ones that can come in untapped. Like, yeah, mostly like for just three life. Like, I yeah. you don't want to play too many tap lands in your deck, but it gives you a whole lot more. Yeah, there's the, the 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 white one that gives you gives a creature you know protection Sajiri uh, shelter. shelter yeah that one's pretty good the red uh, little dude that's uh, that uh, kills an artifact whatever that card's called card names are hard <laughs> but oh the uh, the adventure card yeah oh sorry I, I I got ahead of myself already 
Yeah. But, but yeah, speaking of that, the adventure cards are like like we were saying earlier, they're they're two for ones. Mm-hmm. Um so you get like the uh what's he called? Uh Embereth Shieldbreaker. Yeah, Embereth Shieldbreaker. That for one mana can destroy an artifact and then for two mana is a two one, which doesn't seem like a huge deal. Pretty but unassuming. It fills like that's the other nice thing about these adventure cards, they fill two spots on your curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just play them as a creature before the adventure part, but if you want to get more card advantage, you can do the adventure part. Yeah. We have, like, Giant Killer that can kill a power for a greater creature, and later can just be, a, like, a creature tap-downer. Yeah. Which doesn't seem that great, but it's still, like, you kind of want that some, sometimes. You wouldn't just play that in your deck, but if it was also a kill spell, yeah, that's pretty decent. I kind of like Realm Cloak Giant. I'm trying that out now. That card's so, cool. Five-mana board wipe with the upside of just being a big creature later, like... They're all pretty, like, mediocre creatures, but just, like, there's a, a lot of games I feel like where, especially later in, you might just want to have be up, like, one big creature on your opponent, so something like Realm Cloak Giant could probably help you stay in the game. Yeah, and so these are ways that you can leverage deck building to kind of add more card advantage, per se, to your deck. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about some actual, you know, card draw things, but also just, like, yeah, this 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 deck, this deck building that you can do to just make your deck, like, kind of feel like it has more card advantage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have more things to do. Always good. Yeah, and then we've got some, uh, we've got some miscellaneous, uh, like, card draw things that don't really fit into a category, like Mangara the Diplomat, new card, that that one's awesome. Yeah, Mangara is, is a newer card that's, uh, I think an experiment in, like, a way to, like, start having white draw cards instead of, like... I think it was Ari Nia, the White Council of Colors representative, said something about it that was like, well, we figured in design a card that said opponents can't do this thing on a white card could be filled in the same space as, like, uh, if your opponents do this thing, you get to draw a card. He thought that made sense. And I think that feels very white, and I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the flavor of that. And then um, we also have Humble Defector. Yeah. Which is a really weird card. It's a 1 and a red. It's a 2-1. And you can tap it to draw two cards, and then target opponent gains control of Humble Defector. So that seems like a kind of just like a weird like political card, like kind of a group hug card. But you can often like make the deal with somebody where you give them the Humble Defector, and they have to for sure give it back to you. So it's just like, it's kind of like Farsight Adept, where it's just you and one other player going up cards on it yeah or there's other like weird tricky things you can do with it like you could activate your humble defector draw two cards and then like sacrifice it mm-hmm. or you could use homeward path to tap and gain control of the humble defector and then you have an engine that lets you draw two cards every turn yeah things like uh you know you can bounce it you can flicker it you can you know kiki-jiki to make a copy of it and that gets you know oh yeah kiki-jiki yeah, at, at the make end uh, another humble defector yeah, every turn it, it gets uh sacrifice at the end step yeah. Yeah, tons of cool stuff. Yeah, and I guess Defector. you have to do it on your turn. Humble Defector can only be activated on your turn just to... Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, Humble Defector is uh, surprisingly good, and, and in my experience, you almost always, I, I would even say always, can find someone at the table that is willing to give it back to you because they just want the two cards, like, and they don't really care that you're getting you know, it back. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Most people will take that deal if somebody's, like, missing a land drop or just not getting enough gas. They'll be desperate enough to make that deal with you. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the other kind of classic card draw cards in white that everyone talks about, like Mentor of the Meek and Bygone Bishop. And those are those are fine cards. Like, I don't mind them. They're okay. Yeah, they're not super efficient, but they, especially if you're playing that strategy, like kind of white weenie, like they'll let you draw cards. Yeah. 
And then we also put like Combustible Gear Hulk, which is an interesting card. It's a six mana six six artifact creature in red that ETBs and somebody can either have you mill three cards or have you draw three cards. And if they choose the mill option, they take damage equal to the combined converted mana cost of those cards. So if you're in like an aggressive strategy and you've got one person that you've been beating down on, especially if you have kind of a higher curve, um, they're often not going to want you to mill the three cards because sometimes it could just kill them or put them like way yeah. in the red zone. They'll not want to take ten when they could just give you your cards or whatever, yeah? Yeah, or if you like just flicker and repeat that. Or if you're playing it with Graveyard Synergy too where like if you mill yeah. three low CMC cards, that's just good for you. Like we said with the also with, the, with all the recursion, so yeah. So it's a fuel for that. So yeah, I guess off of off of all of these things, I guess I would say that you know there there's a, a decent amount of card draw in Moros colors. Like, wouldn't you say so? <laughs> yeah, we have a, we had a lot of things to say. I think we actually had to stop ourselves yeah. before coming up with more stuff. But I feel like yeah, card advantage maybe in mono white, but between white and red, you, there's a lot of engines that you can create to keep drawing cards and maybe they're not always very simple or as efficient as like blue or black or even green but you can get card advantage yeah and, sure. and and none of this with uh playing mind's eye yeah don't play mind's don't eye. play please, mind's don't eye don't please mind's yeah eye. or book of wrath yeah don't do that <laughs> don't do it yeah you don't have to it's not that bad <laughs> but i guess yeah so another thing that uh people like to rag on Boros for is the lack of ramp. That's one of the big things that people complain they about. They keep oh. saying it. They keep making, like, white cards that put lands into play and stuff. Like, that exists in, in white. The other colors don't really have that, but people still say, Boros needs ramp. They say they say white is the worst color for ramping, and Boros is the worst color combination for ramping. Yeah, and... But it's really, like, probably closer to the middle in, in non-green colors. Yeah, people don't say that about, like, blue and black constantly. So we're going to talk about some of the ways that you can achieve ramp in Boros. Mm -hmm. And the, the first thing, like you were saying, what's wrong with mana rocks? Mana rocks are very good. You play Green decks play mana rocks oftentimes, like, and yeah. that's the best color for ramping. So yeah, <laughs> not that we're necessarily talking about like competitive EDH. Like We don't play it. We play, I'd say, maybe like mid to like higher power sometimes. Some, if you were to use a number, probably like an 8 or so. Yeah, and... Like, even competitive commander decks will play some level of mana rocks just because mana rocks are often more efficient than land ramp, ramp and mana dorks. Yeah, most most land ramp and mana dorks don't produce mana the turn they come out. A lot of mana rocks, especially all, all the good two mana rocks, which, of course, we're going to, you know, they're probably the best ones you want to play, um, come into play on turn three or whatever and make a mana, and then you have four mana So for that turn because you, you know, play um, rambling a bit, but, you know. Yeah, and, and obviously we know the thing about, like, well, people like to destroy mana rocks. People will play a Vandal Blast or uh, Shattering Spree, stuff like that. But that's just the trade-off you get for them being so efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just like every other color combination, Boros can play mana rocks, and they do, and it's good. Yeah, I think it just it makes a big difference which mana rocks you're playing. Like, you really want to stick to, like, the lower CMC, like the two mana ones. Like, yeah. Maybe, like, you can go three mana, do some cool stuff with, like, Commander Sphere and a Sun Titan. Yeah, and you can play a... If, if, you're, if you're looking to try to ramp into big things, you can play a couple of the larger mana rocks, but I really wouldn't play, like, a Gilded Lotus. I would stick to uh, maybe, like, a Worn Power Stone or, like, a... What's the yeah, mana one that I, I, think, three? I think understanding your mana curve is important when playing mana rocks, because if you're playing, like, those huge mana rocks, like, 
and you're not really using them to ramp in anything, they make way better targets for single-target artifact destruction. I think that's what puts a lot of people off of Mana Rocks. But really, are people going out destroying your Signets with yeah. their spot removal? It doesn't nah. happen very often. They're not. But, um, yeah, besides Mana Rocks, I mean, red and white, uh, uh, most specifically red, um, has a lot of ways to generate mana through, like, the combat step. So cards like Neheb, Dreadhorde Champion, and Neheb the Eternal are both ways that, like, make a lot of mana just for attacking with a four-mana-cost creature. Or, oh, yeah, like Neheb, like, uh, original Neheb, Neheb the Eternal. Yeah. Like, you can play him out on, like, he's five mana. He's five, yeah. But if you have a few creatures out, like we were talking earlier about, like, people not considering their creatures on board to, like, do much for them. Yeah. Like, you play out Neheb, and all of a sudden, if you can swing into somebody... He pays for himself, usually. Yeah, I mean, if you just have, like, you know, a Farsight Adept and a Recruiter of the Guard or something, you know, that's 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 enough damage to almost pay for himself, so. And outside of those guys, um, this is a, obviously a card you can play in any color combination, but uh, Sword of Feast and Famine. Probably the best, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's probably the best equipment in, in, any, in, Bor- in any Boros deck, I would say. And we'll talk more about this later, but Boros is very good, especially mono-white, very good at tutoring equipments. Yeah, for sure. So you can more reliably have your Sword of Feast and Famine. A lot of the games that you end up having Sword of Feast and Famine, you have more mana than the other players at the table. Yeah. So, I guess Boros can't ramp, but you have more mana, so I don't know. But whatever. Uh, Of of course, Doctite Extortionist is... is, Yeah, we gave this one its its own little section, just because I used to think, like... When I would think about the weaknesses in my Boros decks, I'm like, man, I don't really have, like, a card that just is crazy, like, ups you mana, like, so insanely. But then they made Dockside Extortionist, and now I feel like that's maybe the best one? Like, it's kind of, like, one of the best, like, ramp pieces in the game. Yeah, like, it's... It's interesting, like, obviously you don't want to, it's not like an early game thing so much, like, if you play it on turn two, you're probably not getting up mana on it, but you, there's still You games. can do that, yeah. You can play it on turn two, get two treasures, and then the next turn, you have five mana, right? Yeah, and then you can just, you know, cast something way ahead of curve, like, it's like a, and it comes the one-two, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, oftentimes late game, Dockside Extortionist enters the battlefield, and you're making, like, ten treasures off of it. It's so crazy. It just gives you what you need to end the game. Or early game, you can, like we said, just play it out, get a couple treasures, and hit something early. And that's not even considering that you can blink it and recur it, like, to make even more mana. Often just go infinite. Yeah, there's too many <laughs> we infinite combos. Yeah. Unfortunately, the card's like $40, but or $50, but you yeah, know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we, we see that reprinted yeah. within 2021. Same with Sword of Feast and Famine, very expensive, oh, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> you don't have to play those ones. You can well, play they, even, they even freaking reprinted Sword of Feast and yeah. Famine this year, and it's still like 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to mention, I guess, is that... Um, so Rituals and Commander generally aren't very good. Like, some decks will play like a Dark Ritual. Um, people generally won't play like Pyretic Ritual and stuff like that. But Red has access to some very powerful high-impact Rituals, which are I think are very good in Commander. So, cards like... Um, Cards like Jessica's Will and Mana Geyser are both, both you know, make upwards, you know, 6, 7 mana, or in Mana Geyser's case, make like, you know, 20 mana, 15 mana, and they're they're not really ramp, but they are ways for you to have very explosive, sorry, explosive turns that will just kind of win you a game. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a, I think, especially later in the game, a lot of turns where you're just like, man, if I just had a few more mana, and then you draw a Ritual... 
and all of a sudden you're you're up so much mana like like we were saying like Jessica's will I think is usually going to up you about four mana mana guys are probably usually going to up you like 10, 10 to 12. 20 mana yeah like, it's crazy it can be really crazy like especially people saying all the time like oh my god green's out of <laughs> there's no way to keep them in check they got so much land ramp well wait for them to tap out and then try playing a mana guy like just use that to your advantage You'll have uh, you'll have you know fourteen mana in your main phase one, and then you can kill them. Yeah, usually that's enough to kill them. <laughs> it should be. You would hope. I mean, I hope so. I'm, I'm guilty of <laughs> yeah, dirling around yeah. With, with some mana. Yeah. But like in my uh, Perforos Bronze Blooded deck, that'll usually be enough mana to to kill somebody. Yeah. But yeah, so I wouldn't recommend. Like I said, I wouldn't recommend playing some of the the smaller impact rituals, but the high impact ones will kind of win you the game when they go off. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so not necessarily ramp, um, but we have land tax of effects, which are often mistaken for ramp. Like, you see a lot of posts online of people being like, oh, well, I count land tax. As ramp. Weather Wafer is my ramp cards. And it's, I can, I guess I can see how pe- people just, like, see the land card on the card and they think it's ramp, but uh, no, they put the land in your hands. Ramp so not... really needs to get you, to, really needs to put the land into play or make you mana. More yeah, than just if you have more turn. mana than you should have from just playing your land for turn, that's ramp. Yeah. But just hitting your land for turn every turn is a big deal because, like, if you play a ramp spell like a mana rock on a turn where you don't play your land, it didn't really ramp you because if it's like turn two or <laughs> turn three and you have three mana after you play a signet on turn two, you're not really like you didn't ramp there. It's the really. same as just playing a land on turn three and not playing the mana rock. Yeah, pretty much. You you paid mana to be at the amount of mana that you should be on your turn and that's why people play cards like cultivate and kodama's reach in green because they allow you to ramp and they get a land to your hands you can keep playing your lands because if you miss your land drops not not so good yeah cultivate kodama's reach they're always ramp on the turn you play them with something like uh rampant growth yeah or far seek not necessarily always ramp i've seen plenty of people play those out or a mana dork on a turn where they miss a land drop and it's like you know if you built your deck a little bit better you probably would wouldn't have that problem yeah but you're talking about speaking of uh speaking of you know land tutoring um boros is probably the best color combination outside of green um to tutor non-basic lands with the card weathered wayfarer it's really good that tutors non-basic lands it's kind of crazy actually and and that lets you kind of tutor um these lands these lands that produce more than one mana like ancient tomb and nykthos shrine of nyx yeah, in my mono white deck, I have a whole like one drop package based around like Ranger Captain of Eos and Ranger of Eos, and Weathered Wayfarer searching up Nykthos is a huge like way to ramp in that deck. Yeah, and having creatures that tutor for your creatures that tutor for your mana source lands like that, that's that's pretty that's that's some good deck building is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a Russian nesting doll of like of value. Yeah, you get this one creature, gets the other thing, it gets the other thing, and. You're not really drawing cards, but you're always like getting into the next thing you're gonna play without, and they're always replacing themselves. So it's it's you're not losing cards either. So yeah, besides Ancient Tomb and, and Nykthos, I guess you got like Myriad Landscape and like Terrain Generator as kind of the less powerful ones, but they still do the job. But yeah, for sure, Ancient Tomb and Nykthos are the are the best. Yeah, especially when uh, Weathered Wayfarer obviously always already gives you the uh, the white you know mana symbols for the Nykthos. So. Yeah, and like Ancient Tomb and Nykthos, they're pretty monetarily expensive now, but like we were saying about the the mana rocks, and like you can play those in any deck, mm-hmm. but they're fragile. Like you can play an Ancient Tomb in, in any deck, 
And, like, that doesn't have the, the problem as, like, being fragile like a mana rock. Like, people oftentimes don't have single target land removal, and people don't play a lot of mass land destruction. Yeah. So you're pretty safe in playing that in Party Ramp. Yeah, and you don't need to always, like, play Ancient Tomb, but, I mean, when you can tutor out of your deck and go from 3 to 5, you know, instead of 3 to 4, just by playing a land, it's, it's pretty powerful. Or, like, uh, some people really hate the card, but if you're doing this thing where you're always hitting your land drops, I'd say you're pretty safe playing temple of the false god you can definitely play that yeah but yeah so yeah for sure um there's a lot of ramp effects in boros um i don't really know why people don't realize that but eh, it is what it is yeah it's it's certainly as good as the other i mean there's some effects in like blue that like untap your permanence or just like straight cheap mana costs like maybe you could say they're a little better at it sure but you can Especially in a more casual setting, you can achieve what you need to do in Boros. Rampant card draw, problems in the past. I don't think that in twenty going into twenty twenty one that you're gonna have to worry about that so much. Yeah. And of course we didn't even mention, you know, like there's some there's some good there's a lot of good white creatures that ramp. Like you have um, the tutu that gets you a planes when it comes into play and the new the new four drop. Oh uh, yeah, guy. Knight, you got Knight of the White Orchid, yeah. Core Cartographer, um, that that new yeah the new keeper of the keeper accord. of the accord very good and sure yeah a lot of those have that clause of your opponent has to have more lands than you do but again like people are always saying like green there's so many green decks in the format there's so many ramp decks like if yeah. somebody has ten lands and and you it's like turn seven or something you can just play those cards and then they're just gonna ramp you most yeah of the time. and three out of four games you're not going first. You, you just play them on turn three before you play your land, you know, or whatever. You know, before you play your land on turn three or four or five or whatever, the, you know, the curve fits out for those, and you get a land. Yeah, if you're if you're playing... I, I've had this problem where if you're playing Boros and you play one of these effects, these white cards, it's like, <laughs> you have... It only works if you have more lands than your opponent. That's a pretty good pop problem to have. Yeah, if you have more lands than your opponent, you're doing all right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're generally doing okay. And, you're, and your two-mana 2-2 two -two with first strike is going to be just fine yeah. without getting a land. For sure. All right, so the, that's us uh, refuting some of the the main problems that people think Boros have. Yeah. So we're going to talk about things more specifically why we think Boros is good and what it does have going on for it. And they have some strengths. People will people will downplay their strengths, but they they exist. Oh yeah, I, I'd say there's a, there's a lot of strengths. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we're going to talk about um like uh, creatures matter type of effects like uh think boros has this big ability to take advantage of creatures on board like we were talking about earlier just like having incremental like bodies uh it has ways to kind of increase their value and one of those is equipment i think arguably you could say like other colors might be able to replicate like certain things boros does like aggro or um control yep. and do it better but i don't think anybody can argue that Boros isn't the best at using equipments, right? Yeah, it's definitely definitely like miles above every other color, with the maybe the slightest exception of blue, but they're not even that they're very bad at it. Like blue doesn't have good aggressive creatures. Yeah, yeah. Blue has the problem like it can tutor any kind of artifact and stuff and it. it has some ways to like do aggro, but it doesn't have They don't have the creatures for it. Yeah, it doesn't have as many of the payoffs for an aggro strategy, yeah. I feel like. One thing I really like about uh Boros with uh the creatures matter theme is that you know, a lot of a lot of other colors don't really care about like their bodies on their utility creatures. Like, you know, your random like like your reclamation sage, right? Like they won't really care about a, the two one body on it. But Boros kind of thrives off of 
you know, the bodies that come with your, your utility creatures. So, mm -hmm. for example, you know, you have cards like Durgar Hedgemage, which, you know, comes into play if you have a, if you have a mountain. If you have two yeah. or more planes, it destroys an enchantment. If you have two or more mountains, it destroys an artifact. So it can kind of be like a cool, like, two-for-one Rex Sage. Obviously, you have to build your, like, your mana, your mana base around it. Different. But it's it's not it's 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 more a spell than it is a creature. Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's there to just to be some removal, and then it's like a tutu, right? And then it just holds the sword and then swings in. Yeah, or even thing like uh, things like three of an inspector that you're generally doing to like repeat and like draw the cards, like we were saying, like with wall of omens or yeah. farsight adept. Um, they just hold equipment. Yeah, I would on. put three of an inspector in a deck that doesn't really have many ways to blink it or recur it just because it's a solid one drop that replaces itself with a clue and then it, you can put an early sort of feast and famine if you curve into it or something like that very cool yeah like you were saying i think uh a lot of green decks with like their eternal witness or their you know, other utility creatures mm -hmm. they just play them and maybe they'll use them to block yeah like, like, that's what the body gets like an acidic to. slime or something's just going to block something but we wanted to use them to attack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So some of the some of the good equipments that I'd recommend uh, considering, you know, the, the the very generic ones that most decks would be happy with, were like feast and sort of feast and famine, of course. Skull clamp is really good. I think what Thraven Inspectors looking to investigate is uh, why that person's life total is so high. Very true. <laughs> you could give Thraven Inspector a mask of memory as a way to to draw and also fuel that that uh that looting theme. Um, sort of the animus everyone knows is is. A really good ramp target that you know that's that's one re what sort of the animus is even better when you have an early one drop or two drop because you really want to get that going as soon as possible yeah yeah of course lightning greaves and uh commander's plate a new card you want to talk about that a little bit eli oh commander's plate yeah that card's kind of cool right yeah i think uh i think it's maybe more specific to voltron decks because of its uh it's interesting equip cost of like equip three to a commander but it's like equip five to any other creature you control yeah which is steep, but like still giving plus three, plus three, and protection from in Boros, what would be three colors? Like that's a lot of value. And the colors most people aren't playing. <laughs> and the notable thing, like Commander's Plate, is one to cast. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's free pretty much. In, in Boros decks, there's this thing where equipments usually don't cost mana no. to equip. Like you've got Pure Steel Paladin, you've got Sigarda's Aid. Yeah, there's there's ways to get around that. Yeah. So it's it's really cool. And one thing that's really nice is that these cards like Skull Clamp, uh, Sword of the Animus, Feast and Famine, these aren't like equipment matter cards. You don't need to be playing an equipment deck to put these in your deck and have them be some of the best cards in your deck. These go in any Boros deck that has even the slightest of a creature theme. Yeah, they just get you more damage on board or more card draw, more ramp. Yeah. Uh, just all stuff that you want They're to do. They're mana sinks later in the game if you need to. Just put a sword on something if you don't have anything else to do in your turn. Yeah, or like lightning greaves. That's just going to... Usually you've got at least one creature that you don't want to die. Yeah. So, yeah, good thing to have. And haste is a big deal. So speaking of that, um, I'm going to move on to combat matters in mm -hmm. Boros. So um, Boros cards, obviously, they, they get... There's a lot of very powerful effects... That when combined with like just having those bodies in play, like like Aurelia or Gisela, yeah. Now we have Morag, uh, Fury of Akum, that gives you the extra combat steps. Like if you just have a few creatures in play, and when you get start getting these extra combats or these damage doublers, uh, I think you put here how like your two twos and three threes can turn into like twenty plus damage pretty yeah. easily. Just on curve for you playing your uh, your Aurelia or something. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, no. Um... One of the really really nice things about this is you is 
Boros, above other colors, really has a way to take advantage of their bodies. And you can kind of uh, pick on players that are playing more of a low board impact things. Like if someone slams down a doubling season, you can punish them pretty hard with a lot of damage to where they're you know, down to 20, 10 life you know, on the back foot for the rest of the game. Just by playing your creatures that are already good in your deck and doing good things and then playing your big payoff. Like, it's... It's, it's like, you don't need to play, like, like an overrun to, like, kill people. You just need to play these good cards, like Gisela and Aurelia. Yeah, just get in incremental damage throughout the game. Yeah. And I think, like you were saying, like, with doubling season or something, a lot of decks are set up to be unstoppable in the late game. And you want to kind of change the game for those kind of decks and make them have to play around you a little bit. Like, maybe they'll have to play out some their commander or, like, some small creatures just to block you, and that will take them time that they usually don't have to worry about like yes it's good to make them you like if they've got a board wipe you want to make them use it now rather than later when it's really going to hose you and one of the nice things about you know these these this these combat matter payoffs is that you're not even really when when, when you slam down your your morug or your um your you know gisela you're not really losing any resources you're just playing your big creature that is like still going to be on the board and still going to be good, and you're attacking with your other creatures that you've probably gotten value from already, and you still have them all after you've attacked someone to do it again next turn. Yeah, like, there's a there's probably a place for uh, extra combat spells, but you are kind of down a card the turn you play that, where it's like, yeah, Aurelia is just going to be a 3-4 flying vigilance for you after that. Yeah, this is one of the reasons that I mentioned earlier, Farsight Adept, you know, a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that draws a card for you and an opponent. Um, you wouldn't think that'd be very good, but when you play a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three on turn 3, then, you know, later on in the game you play a Aurelia, that 3-mana three 3-3 three, three is doing 6 damage. Like, I mean, and that's, you might not think that's a lot, but compared, you know, combined with the other the other creatures you have, the 2-2s the and the 1-1s one or whatever, it, it, it adds up. Yeah, and then we talked about things like Mirror Entity earlier, which yeah. is, a, is a creature on board that also can just make your creatures huge later in the game. Yeah. So, like, Anthem creatures like that can be a nice thing to play. Or things that get extra value triggers off of attacking, like Atali or Sun Titan. Taking a second combat with uh, with Aurelia is very powerful, those cards. Yeah, just getting a couple extra combats with a Sun Titan can often, like we were talking about ramp, like can be used to get a couple lands back from your graveyard to play. Or just yeah. like get some of your creatures that died earlier off. A big deal. So most Boros decks do want to be taking advantage of some of these Boros powerhouses, mm-hmm. like Aurelia and Gisela. And then another thing that Boros can do pretty well, we talked a little bit about this in the, um, when we were talking about like the, the Gold Almonds yeah. and Farsight Adept, but white is really good at flickering stuff, and red has a lot of effects that are like make a token Copy of a creature, of it, yeah. like Kiki-Jiki, or there's a Twin Flame, like spells yeah. that do yeah, and stuff like that. a lot like of those that, cards. That can help you re-trigger those Enter the Battlefield effects and yeah. get additional value. Yeah, and that's one of the, you know, one of the reasons why it's really good to have you know, creatures on board as a Boros deck, for mm-hmm. sure. And then we've got Planeswalkers. Not something people usually think of when you think of Boros, but... You yeah, know. you don't see, like, not necessarily that it would be, like, a Boros Super Friends deck that we're talking about, but people usually kind of like to crap on Planeswalkers and Commander. Like, I, they always say, like, you're going to play this out, and then it's just going to get killed right away. And yeah. sometimes that is the case. You do. It's like the Monarch. You have to be careful when you play them. But I think, like... You know, Boros deck, like, you can 
usually you've got somebody you either got if you're playing aggressive you either got somebody on the back foot and they can't like afford to send their creatures back at you mm-hmm. or you'll just have like good like a good board to defend a planeswalker yeah and like there are a surprising chunk of planeswalkers in boros that are pretty good like uh the, the one of the best ones i would say elspeth son's champion Every, a lot of people know this card it's really good you've got cards like uh Duretti, scraps of Ant. you've got you know some of the colorless ones, like Ugins and, you know, the Karns of the world. They're yeah, all really got good. Chandra, Torch of Defiance, oh, yeah. acts as both ramp and card advantage. She has impulse draw, and she adds mana. Yeah. That's big. I like Chandra Flamecaller. She lets you do a kind of a, a wheel for yourself where you discard your hand and then draw that many cards, plus one. So that is up, upping you cards, or she can do a damage-based board wipe. Um, you got Gideon Jura or like Nahiri the Harbinger that can be used for removal right oh, away. Man. Nahiri is such a good pair with land tax. You play a land tax on turn one, start drawing a bunch of lands, then you Nahiri and you know, draw two and discard yeah, two. Yeah, she has rummaging built yeah. onto her. And Nahiri the Harbinger, she ultimates a lot faster than you'd expect. She ultimates to. in like three turns. Yeah, she ultimates the third turn, she's out. Yeah. And her ult isn't necessarily game ending, but tutoring any creature or artifact into play and giving it haste for a turn. Yeah. That's even, pretty big. Even in a deck where you're not even playing a bunch of big creatures, you, you just tutor up your you know, Inferno Titan or something, or Sun Titan, and then you get the two triggers immediately because it gives it haste. What like, I like to do with my, like, my Feather deck, if I ultimate a Nahiri and have a Planes in play, you go and get a Myria Shepherd, you play your Planes, and you get your Nahiri back right away. Yeah, oh, very cool. So you're not really like down the Nahiri even. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Planeswalkers, one of, the, one of the best colors to take advantage of Planeswalkers, I'd say. Maybe... Maybe blue has a shot for that green with, like, the doubling season effects. But, yeah, definitely white and red, one of the best colors to yeah, defend them. Yeah, you can use them to... They produce incremental va- uh, value for you. You can use them to get some more of your card draw. Like, with uh, Karn Scion of Urza, he kind of draws you a card every turn. Yeah. And then also makes bodies. So it's two things you want to do. Or six like, mana Ugin, too. You got oh the new God. six mana Ugin for more of the spark that makes those two twos that kind of draw you a card. He makes your artifacts cost less, so there you have ramp and card draw. And he does removal, too. Yeah, it's really good. A lot of things that you want. Yeah. Um, so besides uh, Planeswalkers, another thing that, that, you know, white, mostly white, but white and red, does well is stacks, effects, and resource mitigation. I know some, you know, stacks is a little bit of a touchy subject. Taboo. But... Yeah, but like you don't, you're not, we're not, we're not in blue. We're not playing stasis, you know. Yeah, we're not monsters. We're not, we're not talking, we're not talking about tangle wire. We're talking about good, appropriate stacks cards like hate bears and yeah, good and, Christian stacks yeah. pieces. <laughs> Some graveyard hate like rest in peace, you know. Things that you, you know, you're getting a little bit. I mean, you know, you might, you might get some, some groans when you slam down a blood moon, but you know that those are good cards. They shouldn't be playing so many non-basic lands. That's true. Basics yeah. are good. Play more basics. The amazing basic land. Yeah, exactly. Future episode coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> but yeah, you get a lot of you get a lot of really powerful white effects like Aven Mind Sensor, you know, Leonin Arbiter, Grand Abolisher. You know, Grand Abolisher is like kind of just hoses a lot of decks trying to do things on your turn. It lets mm-hmm. you like go crazy. Yeah. You know, some of the other, like, Spirit of the Labyrinth, you know, and Hushbringer. Dranith Magistrate making big waves in CDH and casual tables alike. Yeah, and people like to poop on it a little bit, but Alms Collector, I think, is, is better than people think. Because, sure, it doesn't stop a lot of the card draw that you want it to. Yeah. But I, I feel like, especially in green decks, they, they kind of, like, dump their hand out and then go to have this one turn. Or, like, blue decks with, like, a windfall. They dump their hand out and they go to have this turn where they play the one big spell to kind of reload... Yeah, and if you flash in Aven or uh, Alms Collector in response to that, 
not only do you get a card off of that, so that's card draw for you, but it, it stops them from like reloading their hand. Yeah, some of the way some of the ways that games kind of break open is when players will do that big reload turn. Like a green deck will play their their um Rish cards, their Rish cards expertise like and draw nine cards, and you're just and, and then if you if that gets countered or you know stopped, they often have two cards in their hand or something. The, the color that's supposed to be able to draw cards the best. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think my best alms collector was one time somebody went to play a brainstorm and I flashed oh, an alms collector so in response brutal. to it. And he had to use his cyclonic rift on my alms collector <laughs> to stop himself from just like losing the last two cards in his hand. To stop himself from going minus three. Yeah, because you draw oh. one and then put two back. Oh my god. And he had, you know, had to play the brainstorm. Or yeah. alms collector into greater good. Is also awesome. Oh they go to sack their creature, draw a bunch of cards. They they draw one card and discard three. Yep, yep. Good times. Yeah, <laughs> and they can't even really sacrifice things in response. Like if they sack a creature with a greater good, then you flash in Holmes Collector, and they have another medium sized creature. If they you know sacrifice that in response, they still have to discard the three cards at the end. So they'll still have to discard all their cards before they you know get to you know cast their sorceries and creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool card. Yeah, a couple not, other... not maybe every deck, but it's got places. And in Boros, you can pair that with your own wheel. Yeah. If you have an alms collector out, you flash in on then step and go to wheel. All of a sudden, you've got ten cards in your hand. Each opponent has one. Yeah. Cards li- also, you have cards like Kataki and Harsh Mentor and Linvala. It's just like some miscellaneous cards that are reasonable on their own, and they can do get you some incremental... You know, in in the in the along the lines of of uh, Kataki, you know, just getting their mana, making them spend a little more mana, or and Harsh Mentor doing some damage. Yeah, and it's not like they are necessarily like big card advantage for you, but say you play like a Rest in Peace, and your opponent's looking at their hand that has three reanimation cards in it. You just shut off like a bunch of cards in their hand, and you're making their cards effectively useless. And and like ninety percent of Commander decks do stuff with their graveyard. Like, it's it's very rare that you... You have to specifically build your deck to not use the graveyard, <laughs> I think, more often than not, if you don't want to, you know... If you... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it. there's always, like, a little bit... Like, everyone has, like, one or two cards in their deck that probably references Most the green somehow. decks will play the Colonel Witness. Most black decks should play a reanimate. Most, you know, reanimate on its own, you know. Blue mm-hmm. decks will often play... Sometimes play, like, Archaeomancer type things, you know. yeah. That's, I think that's the source of a lot of degeneracy in commanders. People re- looping the same recursion, stuff. yeah. And then you just shut it all off. And, and oh, and I guess I I know we're talking about this for a while, but I want to mention that you can play Rest in Peace in your deck that has Graveyard Recursion in it. You don't need to feel like you can't put your Sun Titan in your deck with your Rest in Peace. You can play them. It's fine. Yeah, that's something... Um, I usually try and avoid, like, if I have too much reanimation doing stuff like that, but you're right, like, it's, some of it's just so good that you, you can hate yourself out a little bit. I've seen a lot of white decks, though, when they try and do this kind of stacks plan, they play just such a glut of, like, hate bear and stacks cards that they kind of do hate themselves out just as much, like, playing Rule of Law against a blue deck, when they're better set up to play one spell on each turn, rather than you just playing one for your turn and then passing... There's some effects that they can get around. Yeah, and so and so the way that I, I see these hate bear cards is they're kind of cards that you can just kind of sprinkle into your deck because you know that you care about creatures. And then, you know, they're going to hurt your opponents 
and you're going to be able to put swords on them and, like, get the damage off of them. And when they don't hurt your opponents, they're still creatures. Like, they still do what you want to do. Yep. Baseline, a creature always attacks or blocks. I'm always a big fan yeah, of Yeah, so just, creatures. just, just uh, when you're, if you're building a deck that wants to be even a little aggressive or do a little bit of combat, just take a look at all the, the hate bears and then decide if any of them are, you know, right for what, you know, your curve or what you want to be doing. So we talked uh, a lot of, about aggro, but what about when you're on the, the defense? You might want to play as every deck should, some removal and board wipes, which we think White and Red has some of the best. Yeah, not even like 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 top one, top two color combinations for removal and board wipes for sure. Maybe like black has a little bit of better things, you have Cyclonic Rift, but you know, you have when you have such efficient and ubiquitous effects in blue, like Swords to Plowshares and Path Path Exile. Path to Exile, like these are some of the most efficient removal spells in all of Commander, the entire format. And every white deck, like, their auto-includes in every white deck. Yeah, I'd say so. I think, uh, I think especially swords. Mostly like, swords. There's, there's, like, never much of a downside for having a sword. It's like, I would maybe tell people not to play too much single-target removal, because oftentimes it kind of is card disadvantage. Like, if you one-for-one remove an opponent's thing, then your other two opponents are... They're, they're fine, like, they are they didn't lose anything, and, you know, you just spent your card to deal with a resource. But you still need to play some of that, because you're going to have problems yeah. in a game of Commander that you need to deal with. But, you know, for your for your selection of single-target removal that you do play, White and Red have a lot of really good, really good choices. Like, I know this one not talked about very often, but, you know, you have the red card Volcanic Offering, which is a 5-mana instant. It does 7 damage to a creature you don't control, and destroys a land you don't control... And then an opponent gets to choose seven damage to a creature you don't control, yeah, and also to another land. non-basic. Yeah, yeah, land. and it's an instant too. Yeah, so that's that's a four for one. I mean, like maybe there's a situation where one of your opponents that you choose is just like a dick and decides to destroy somebody's like token, but they're always going to have to destroy the land. You always get two things of your choice. Yeah, and usually you usually they're not going to just like target the same thing you did. Like that's usually they'll take the oh, hurting yeah, the other they person. Can do that, they can, but why would yeah. they? Right? Like they could hurt someone else again. You know? Yeah, and they should. I think most people should have that mentality somewhat of, like, my opponents are all my opponents. Yeah, unless, know? like, you are, like, like arch-enemy at yeah, that Yeah, unless moment. you need to be stopped, for sure. But, but yeah. like, usually, you know, if that's the case, you're fine. But, you know, other cards, like, some of the best ubiquitous uh, removal spells, you know, Generous Gift is very powerful. Hits everything in white. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. You know, you probably don't want to be playing cards like Lightning Bolt or Gutshot in your deck, but... Oh, <laughs> gut but you have, like, Chaos Warp is alright, and, uh... You know, a lot of lot of a lot of single target removal for um, artifacts and enchantments. You even get some uh, some card like some removal that does hit multiple targets, like Crush Contraband, or now we have Heliod's Intervention, which is a sweet card. Oh, and also white and red have so many creatures that come in and destroy something. Like you know, the new was the 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 Sky well, Sky Apparitions. Apparitions. Yeah, are we talking about Palace Jailer earlier? Yeah, even just like a Flame Tunkabu, which enters the battlefield and hits something, does yeah. four damage, something like it's decent. Look at a look at a commander table. You know, more than half the creatures are going to be done. killed by a by a four damage. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But then board wipes too uh, are a big deal because if you are in that game where you're on the back foot or you're behind on card advantage or behind on board and you've you've been having a rough go of it. Using your one card to destroy your opponent's collective board states can be a huge like card advantage yeah. or like tempo swing. Yeah, and probably I would say maybe besides with with the possible exception of like you know Cyclonic Rift and Toxic Deluge as being like you know either really powerful or really efficient, 
Blasphemous Act has got to be one of the best board wipes in the entire format. It being often one mana to kill every creature in play. At yeah. worst case, like four mana. I feel like I've paid more than one mana for Blasphemous Act, like maybe ten times. It's crazy how efficient that card commander. is. Yeah, that card, probably the best board wipe. But yeah. even, like, white has some some really, like, versatile or, like, uh, not always the most mana efficient, but it's got board wipes that can hit more than just creatures in the form yeah. of, like, Hour of Revelation. That's the three in white, white, white. And it costs three generic less if you if there are more than ten non-land permanents on the board. So often it's just white, 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 and it destroys all non-land permanents. Mm-hmm. You have obviously austere command as kind of a staple that that is very versatile. Oh yeah, austere command. Austere command usually feels like a one-sided board wipe. Yeah, usually you can position yourself so you don't really hurt yourself that that badly with it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're playing that deck where you have just like a lot of low low to the ground creatures and maybe some artifacts, like not that many enchantments. And you play that, like, destroy all big creatures and enchantments. I feel like that hurts, like, a lot of green decks a lot. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. Also, uh, Tragic Arrogance, one of the best uh, white board wipes for sure. As, the as you know, often just, like, back-breaking for every opponent you have. Like, you get to choose yeah, what they keep. Yeah, because it's like everyone, sh- in theory, should get the same amount of stuff. But you're like, no, you get to keep your, your token for your creature. Yeah. Your worst man, or say you've got like an artifact land or something. You're like, you keep your <laughs> artifact land, you sack all your mana rocks. You know that token that's also an artifact? You get that as your artifact too. And Meanwhile, your I'm going to keep my my Gisela, my Planeswalker. Yeah. My Soul Ring. My Sword of Feast and Famine. It's, yeah. So- Maybe, you know. My... <laughs> yeah, just being able to keep around like your best stuff and they all get their worst stuff. Yeah. It should usually do some work. For sure. Or you have uh, Winds of Abandon now. Mm-hmm. That, can, that's double, double, uh, if it's double duty. Yeah, it can be a two mana sorcery speed path or six mana, like later in the game. Like, there, you, it's kind of a weird card where you maybe don't want to do it all the time because it does give them basic lands from their deck. But if, like, you need to swing through for a final attack, or if you're just going to die anyways, like, six mana to exile each creature your opponent's control. That's big. Yeah, it's often, often, um, what Winds of Abandon does is it's kill my opponent's creatures and then kill one of them. So that the mana that you're giving them isn't as important because you're using it as an opportunity to literally kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my new favorites. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, another, another, um... Thing that red's got not red sorry boros has going for it yeah back back to aggro people yeah. people like to say you know the thing about like like oh boros decks they're all aggro decks that's boring it's like well no it, is it really boring because how many aggro decks do you really see in commander people really don't play aggro very much so i think it's a breath of fresh air when you have someone doing something really aggressive and yeah not, not necessarily all in you don't have to go all in to be aggressive yeah what's really w- wrong with aggro like some people like aggro i think it's fun yeah um, and there's definitely a place for, you know, aggro in between, you know, mid-range control. It, it all kind of... But even... The thing with Boros is that even your mid-range and control decks probably have aggro elements to them, unless they're strictly combo. Um, like, for one thing that most aggro decks will want is haste. And we all know that haste is probably the best evergreen keyword in, in Commander. Um, and red is the color that does haste the best by far yeah haste is extremely powerful Mm -hmm. um just being able to always like use your creatures the turn you play them it kind of removes the ability of your opponents to react to you at sorcery speed shuts off a lot of like 
problems from board wipes if you're just able to get your value the turn you play the creature. Yeah, and I would say it kind of fixes um, a lot of the... I mean, you don't need to have, like, mass haste for your whole team to, like, play the game. But a lot of Boros decks are very happy if they get to play their Sun Titan and then attack with their Sun Titan and then get all their value right away and hit someone for six. It's awesome. Yeah, stuff like those attack triggers and getting them right away. Yeah. And there's some pretty good, some pretty good, maybe even you know, worse ones, but there's there's some solid uh, haste, you know, anthem effects, like anger, you don't even have to cast it, just if it's in your graveyard, your creatures get, and you have a mountain, your creatures get haste. Um, you can play Fervor, I guess, it's just the enchantment, Hammer Perforos, stuff yeah. like that. Perforos the Bronze-Blooded. Yeah, like say you're you're playing that game where you're you're beating somebody down with aggro and they have that turn where they go and board wipe you. Generally pretty bad for you as the aggro deck, but if you have like one of those enchantments in play that gives all your creatures haste or you have a lightning greaves in play, they can't really feel totally safe because it's like you could just recast your commander, put greaves on it, and swing back into them again. Yeah. And yeah, it's another couple other cards that you can play. You can play Urabrask, the hidden, he's really good. Let's make your opponent's things enter tapped. Um, we talked about before, and, and this is all red, but we talked about before about how one of the best things that white can do is it can tutor lands very well, specific lands with Weathered Wayfarer. And there's a lot of good lands that give haste to individual creatures, like Hall of the Bandit Lord. I don't know if I like that one as much, but you have like Flamekin Village, Slayer's Stronghold, Hanwar Battlements, and they're very good. I think it's very good to include at least one haste utility land in aggressive Boros decks, because... You know, a lot of times people will forget about it, but, you know, just being able to play a very large creature in the late game and then hit someone for 14 with, like, a Gisela or something. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't really cost you anything in deck building. Like, you just replace a land slot. Yeah. I'm sure, like, uh, Flamekin Village usually enters tap, but it taps for red. But, like, Hammer Battlements and Slayer Stronghold enter the battlefield untapped. Yeah. They tap for colorless mana, but then, like, Hall of the Bandit Lord, I think, untapped, right? I think it enters tapped, okay. taps for colorless, and you have to lose three, three life, life when yeah. you use it, but, but yeah. still, they're just lands. Like, yeah. Let's replace your lands. Yeah. Um, one card that I want to talk about that I think I haven't seen anyone play is Hate Mirage. It's a new card from uh, Commander 2019 or 18. It's, it's in the... It was in... I think it was 2019, right? Hate Mirage? Yeah, 2018? yeah, 2019. 2019. Yeah, um, this is a four mana cost um, sorcery, yep, sorcery, I believe, that uh, creates two token copies of creatures you don't control. So, and then they get haste, and then you have to sacrifice them or exile them at the end step. Mm-hmm. Um, this card, you know, off it's so versatile that it's usually either more than like ten damage in attackers. Or, like, seven damage in attackers, plus, you know, someone's really good ETB creature, or someone's, you know, like, Anthem, or something, anything crazy. Like, people people have crazy cards on board. Sometimes you even, like, copy a mana double creature, and, like, you make mana, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, you know, source of ramp or whatever. So, Hate Mirage, I think, is really underutilized. I'd recommend trying it out. It's, just think of, like, look at turn seven on a commander game, and look at a board, and be like, if I could have... Two creatures my opponents control yeah, the this two turn. Best creatures. What, what, what would it? What, what's the worst case? Like ten damage and like drawing a card. Like it's it's really good. Yeah, and I think that's a, another notable thing about like haste. Like you could have an empty board state and like people just feel pretty safe against that. But then if you get like creatures that have like natural haste or like throw out a haste anthem or equipment or something, like yeah. you can get people kind of when they got their pants down. You can make a copy of an Eldrazi and then kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like. It does that. And you and you get two. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Haste is awesome. Yeah. 
And then we've got a few uh, direct damage effects, which uh, generally you don't want to play like too many just like straight burn cards in Commander, but there are really efficient versions of it. Yeah. Like Perforos got at the Forge. Creature ETBs deal two damage to each opponent. That adds up fast. Like if you see a Perforos, usually it means uh, you're in trouble. I would, you know, Perforos is probably one of the cards that <laughs> people die to the most in Commander, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like Perforos allows you to kind of like get a win with an aggro deck without like even needing to attack like if you're locked down by like ghostly prisons and stuff you're just like oh i'll just play my creatures and they'll deal two damage right away and that's ignoring the mode of perforos where he's a he's a five six or something and yeah, he becomes and a pump, six, six, five. six five and he pumps your team yeah and he has an anthem he's just like the all-purpose like aggro creature in yeah. my opinion yeah yeah and other than perforos you've got you know other burn cards that are baby yeah. perforos baby perforos impact, impact tremors of course not you know it's, it'll 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 you know go in your 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 goblin decks and stuff dumb like that but yeah for two mana dealing one damage on a creature etb it's decent but i guess more high impact uh versions of that you have warstorm surge and the new dragon terror of the peaks yeah that deal damage equal to a creature's power when it enters the battlefield and like you might think oh it's you know it's like a must remove card like a terror of the peaks like Everyone knows you're going to die to a Terror of the Peaks, but they can't kill everything you do. Once Every once in a while, your Terror of the Peaks will stick around, and then next turn you play your Hate Mirage and deal 20 to someone, you know? Yeah, like, the, the dies to removal argument, I think, is always kind of bad, because if you build your deck with enough card advantage and, like, enough two-for-ones and stuff, like, you can play that game where you play something out, they go to remove it, and if your deck is built well enough, you're going to win that, that battle of attrition eventually. Yeah. Not everything's going to get removed. Something's going to stick. Mm -hmm. And Terror of the Peaks and Warstorm Surge notably can also hit creatures with their damage. Yeah, that's, I mean, usually they are hitting creatures until you're trying to end the game. So. Yeah, you just knock blockers out of the way or kill their commander. Yeah. And then we got, like, um, Goblin Bombardment, which is a good sack outlet. Yeah. Uh, a lot of decks want to play sack outlets. One of the, one of the well, the, the probably the best sack outlet in the colors besides, like, the, the altars or whatever, but... Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, because again, that one can hit creatures. So oftentimes, like I'm using a goblin bombardment to like kill people's mana dorks. Oftentimes, commander. yeah, you don't. You're not really scared of a goblin bombardment as much in a in in. A lot of times, people aren't scared of goblin bombardment in like an aggro deck because they're like, oh, they're playing their you know creatures. Why would they want to sack them? Like they're trying to attack me, and then they play like a academy rector or something, and then you're like, oh crap, yeah. I didn't realize that was going to happen. <laughs> uh. Or but, other uh, direct damage effects. Um, we got, like, Price of Progress. I think as far as, like, direct burn cards for Commander, Price of Progress is probably the best one, right? Yeah, it probably ends up doing the most for the least mana. Like, if somebody has five non-basic lands in play, that's dealing ten damage to them. It's a lot. Like, like two mana. That You know, if, if your strategy is trying to kill people with damage, like, the reach will be helpful. Again, like yeah. like, people always complain about green and stuff like well what do we do about green well say you're playing against a green and x deck maybe not mono green it wouldn't work best against but if they're playing like a sultai deck and they've got their field of the dead going off and everything they got all these lands and you go price of progress ah, take 16 it, it could deal 20 damage to them like no joke yeah yeah and then you also have a couple other really really like high damage um single target not single targets or single cards that do a lot of damage like chandra's ignition and uh like earthquakes and stuff where you can if you just have that that turn where you where you play your um your mana geyser and make 20 mana you know you can just kind of kill people or deal half their life total or whatever you know mm -hmm. same with you i guess you could play like Heart, heartless hitsugu and yeah heartless hitsugu <laughs> probably as far as like just damage dealing cards 
Probably at the top. I mean, it's kind of a it's it's very fair because uh, he does it to everybody. Yeah. So as you be should. Careful. <laughs> Don't yeah, play. I mean, like if you want to really even things out, if you want to make things more fair, make everybody be at twenty life and then see how yeah. that game goes. Yeah, or, like a normal game. <laughs> or I used to play that with uh, with Gisela. That's pretty cool. That kills everyone. Because then if they're at an uh, even life total, he'll kill all your opponents, and you should live because you take half damage with Gisela. Yeah, so you only take, you know, a quarter of your life total, but yeah. But speaking of that, that's kind of a combo. It is a combo. <laughs> and you can do some some combos in Boros. People will say, yeah, that Boros really doesn't have ways to end games. Like, people just think Boros can only hit people with creatures. But there's a lot of really good combos in Boros. And most of them are playing a good card and pairing it with another good card. Whereas in other colors, like, you're doing two-card combos, three-card combos with cards that really do nothing on their own. Yeah. So, yeah, some of the best some of the best combos, obviously, people when people recognize the most is Kiki-Jiki and insert, you know... The, the combo machine. Yeah. Kiki-Jiki. Zealous Conscripts, Restoration Angel, Angel, you know, any of those cards. There's a lot of them. There's, there's like five or six of them. You, know, you have Combat Celebrant, Village Bell Ringer, Felidar Guardian. There's a lot. Yeah, but again, like you were saying, a lot of those cards like Kiki-Jiki, Felidar... Restoration Angel, those help you get card advantage earlier in the game with like your your blink themes or or just like yeah repeating your ETBs. Yeah, Kiki Jiki is not just a win con; he is also a, a very good value engine or even yeah. damage engine for like attacking with a big haste creature. Oh my god! One game I had just like a bunch of equipments and no other creatures. I just fucking I played Kiki Jiki. Just put equipments on him. And yeah. just, he's a two-two with haste. <laughs> That's where I, it was in that game. Oh my god. I had a game where I was losing a, in a, a Boros deck I was playing the whole game. Then my opponent played an Intruder Alarm, and then I went to my turn and I won because I played Kiki <laughs> I just won. It was very nice. Um, but yeah, besides uh, Kiki Jiki, you have, um, you know, Goto as a Goto bandit, you know. And he's a one-card combo because he tutors up Helm of the Host and goes infinite. You need a little oh, yeah. mana for it. Yeah, but... Goto Helm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aurelia and Helm. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. But yeah, Goto and Aurelia, also just good cards on their own. Helm of the Host, I've it's it's a card that people will kill because they're aware of like their they're, reputation. Know, yeah. But if you can get like one creature off of a Helm of the Host, like I put it on like a Sun Titan or something. It does a job. That's still good. It's yeah. it's a lot of mana like to equip, but like we said earlier, like Boros equip costs are usually zero. You've they're got, usually like, zero. You got like Hammer of Nizan, yeah, uh, Pure Steel Paladin, stuff like that. And even when they're not zero, like, you, I hope you're not playing the ones that cost, you know, nine to equip, eight to equip. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, whatever. But besides, you know, the Goto thing, you also have the infinite mana um, kind of things like Aggravated Assault with Sword of Feast and Famine or Neheb, where you just um, get some sort of mana off of uh, hitting somebody or attacking, and then you... Use that mana into aggravated assault to get yeah, another you're combat. Able to pay the five to get the extra combat. So you get infinite mana, infinite combats. Um, I think that works with a couple. There's a couple other cards that that works with as well, but um, yeah, just those are probably your best ones. And we got my personal combo deck in Boros is Gerard Weatherlight Hero, which yeah. uh, early on in spoiler season people realized that it comboed with the card Loyal Retainers and a Sack Outlet. Loyal Retainers is a 3-mana 1-1 that you can sacrifice and return a legendary creature from your graveyard to play, but activate only before combat. Mm -hmm. 
So that with Gerard, when he dies, he, he has a triggered ability that you can exile him from the graveyard and return all your creatures in play, or that were, in, that were put into the graveyard from play that turn to the battlefield. So what you do, as soon as he hits the graveyard, you sacrifice the loyal retainers with his trigger on the stack, and it returns him to the battlefield. Then his trigger goes off, and your loyal retainers gets returned. Yep, and then you just repeat that um, forever, and then if you have, like, a like a goblin bombardment, you just ping everyone and kill them. Yeah, or, like, Altar of Dementia. Yeah, or you can, yeah if you have around. a Phyrexian Altar, Ashnod's Altar, you can just make infinite mana and get all your ETBs a million times. Yeah, yep, with it, yep. And now that combo has extra redundancy with Hellkite Courser from Commander Legends, which is the 6-mana, six 6-5 six flyer that when it enters the battlefield, you can put your commander from the command zone into play. Yeah. So that with Gerard will fill a similar role. Except for that one, you don't even have to have Him in play. Gerard in play. You can yeah. just play, have a sack outlet, play the Hellkite Courser, and you're good to go. And the nice thing about this is that Gerard is in your command zone, so you don't have to draw him. He's, it's one less card you have to get. You just need the sack outlet and the loyal retainers, and then Gerard in your command zone. Yeah, and like like we were saying, like uh, the loyal retainers, sack outlets, both usually pretty good on their own. Yeah. Hell, Hellkite Courser is probably, probably a pretty good card on your own, too. <laughs> but... There's a bunch more uh, Boros combos, but you know we had to kind of stop ourselves to not describe every single combo that exists. Yeah, those are probably the most viable and a lot of the best ones. Yeah. So that's the thing. If you want to do that, you can absolutely do that. I don't know why more people don't. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, sure, like a couple of them are revolving around combat, so they're, they're maybe a little easier to stop. Like if, if somebody has like a ghostly prison or something, you can't win with like Kiki conscripts usually. You can oh, wait, get rid of a ghostly you, person. You can keep, win, not conscripts, yeah, because yeah. conscripts like re- steals the thing. Yeah, but like uh, Kiki and Felidar Guardian, like, yeah. But yeah, you can just get usually get rid of something by that point. Yeah, and like I said earlier, like Kiki Jiki probably is going to go in a lot of your Boros decks, and then it's the 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 amount of like you just have to put one other card like Restoration Angel in your deck, and it's good. You know, you just have the, the backdoor combo that you could do. If you draw it. Yeah, like, I don't I don't love playing a lot of combos. I have the one dedicated combo deck, but even in, like, my, my Feather deck, those those cards were just good anyway, so I'm like, well, if I need to win with a combo, I have that option. You have Zell's Conscripts and, and uh, yeah, Kiki But if I'm playing with people who don't like combos, I can just choose not to do that. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And you don't need to build your deck around it at all. You could just, yeah. Oh, hey, before we move on, one more thing is Kiki Jiki is a one card combo with the recruiter with a which is the red recruiter the the oh yeah if you play a imperial, imperial recruiter, recruiter you get your kiki Belladar jiki guardian and, yeah. which then blinks your recruiter and gets kiki it's a very telegraphed combo and you're not likely to get away with it but it's it's one card to get all of your combo pieces and and combo off yeah so, so that's kind of <laughs> neat yeah um yeah so the next thing we're going to mention so when people like to talk about the strengths of Boros, there's this like idea that people they they come online and they're like, I've cracked the code. I, I figured, figured it out. out. Here's what we should have been doing the whole time. We should just play mass land destruction cards. Pesky green decks can't play without lands. Yeah, they're like, green is is out of check again. It needs to be stopped. How can we how can we fix this? We should just be playing mass land destruction. They have a burgeoning in play. How am I gonna beat this? I kill all their lands. <laughs> Wait a second, they still have a burgeoning in play. And every time somebody comes up with this, like, you see, like, the posts on on r slash edh, like, probably once a month or so. And people are getting, people are saying at this point, like, we need to stop talking about this, (laughs) because it's such a a dead horse. 
but I actually don't think that mass land destruction is a good or a viable strategy within Boros. But it's also always like said that people just aren't doing it because of the social contract of Commander where people don't like having their lands blown up. But I would say, you know, like, does the social, social contract of Commander, like, really stop people from doing stuff that they don't, that people don't like that often? Like, you'll see, like, uh, a Sultai deck, like, just totally pub stomp on new players, like, playing pre-cons and stuff. Yeah, it happens. Or you'll see people playing a deck with, like, 20 counter spells or 25 border lights. People do a lot of annoying crap, like... It doesn't, the social contract doesn't stop them there, but apparently it's supposed to stop them playing Mass Land Destruction? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, I feel like if Mass Land Destruction was really good in Boros decks, you would see a lot of people playing Boros decks with Mass Land Destruction. The reason that people don't play Mass Land Destruction is because it's usually not that good. It yeah. can be good. Now, now there are situations where Mass Land Destruction can win you the game, but you kind of have to have a board state situated for that, and... When you don't have that, the cards really suck, and you don't play them, and they're like a wasted card in your hand. Yeah, I actually have seen a decent amount of Mass Land Destruction Commander games, and it's never been from Boros decks. It's been from Gruul decks. I've seen it from it decks in, like, Joyra of the Gi 2, like the Suspend yeah. deck. Um, but those are decks where, like, the Commander either, like, kind of cheats mana cost, or, like, you just have more redundancy in your deck to get, their, get your lands back into play. Whereas yeah. in Boros, like... The, the strategy that people imagine, I think, is, like, you play this this early, like, aggro game, and then on turn four you play an Armageddon, and you're just ahead on board, and that allows you to win. Whereas I think, like, that's yeah. such a win-more mentality that, like, having a card that's, like, dead 90% of the time, if you're, like... Because, like, I feel like against... Especially in the early game, like, a green deck will have mana dorks, or, like, people have mana rocks and stuff. So if you run out your mass land destruction card... And they're still able to, like, stay in the game through those. It really didn't do that much for you. No, it's, you know, green's, like, I guess the only time I could see you trying to, like, well, not the only time, but I guess if you're, like, playing, if you, like, want to, ma- if you want to, like, mass line destruction with, like, a land tax in play, like, I guess that's a way you can try to get some advantage over opponents, but I just think you have better things you can be doing, for sure. Yeah, well, I guess in that situation, you would just have to, have like... Oh wait, but you can't even get it unless they play a land. You wouldn't trigger it. I guess you you like sandbag lands. I don't know what the (laughs) the thought is. You play your you play your mass land destruction, and then and then nobody play and you don't play your land on your turn because you're like, well, I hope my opponent draws a land. Yeah, I think the only idea is that people think, well, the other colors are going to spend the first, especially green decks are going to spend the first five turns just ramping lands into play, doing nothing else. So when you play your mass land destruction card. None of your opponents have anything on board. You do, and you're just going to be able to like clean them up based on that. But I don't think that's very frequently going to be the case. Yeah, I, uh, green has cards like Splendid Reclamation and World Shaper, which return all of the lands in their graveyard to the battlefield. You know, or or cards like Life in the Loan or, or Ramanap Excavator or whatever, or Crucible of Worlds. I guess everyone can play that, but Ramanap Excavator. Yeah, and they're just able to get their lands back. White can get lands back, but like you need to play like a Sun Titan or like something. And that's if you're if you're destroying all your lands, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, again, I think the strategy is is more efficient in like a Gruul deck where they can, or like even like uh, Lord Windgrace is a, is a pretty good mass land destruction yeah, commander in my opinion. Maybe uh maybe Narset and Lane Master or something. Yeah, commanders where like they either like get your lands back or like don't need lands to function. They cast stuff for free. Yeah. They all play mass land destruction. There's no social contract stopping them from do it, doing it. It's just because their deck is set up to take advantage of it in a mm-hmm. way that wins. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess 
don't play, don't don't think that if mass land destruction was suddenly okay that it'll you know it's just going to break the format it's they're not it's not that good yeah and people also say that thing of like well i could pair it with my boros charm and then <laughs> my lands are indestructible but like that same argument like we were saying a gruel deck could be like well i'll pair my obliterate with uh the floating mana i have and just play like Splendid Reclamation afterwards. They don't like do that. They don't do that because it's not very good. Yeah. It's a it's a two-card combo where one of your cards doesn't do anything most of the time. Yeah. And the other card's Boros Charm. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Mass Land Destruction. Not a fan. Uh, maybe there's an argument that, like, if they made a Boros Commander that was like, sacrifice me, make all your permanents indestructible and tone a turn. There you go. Maybe, yeah, you play Mass Land Destruction in that deck. Sure. That would make sense, but, you know, that's not where we're at. And all, honestly, like, there's, there's, I mean, obviously, people, they don't print Mass Land Destruction these days, but, like, the Mass Land Destruction spells are, like, not very good, honestly. Like, I mean, you have the cup, the two that are just, like, four mana, and then the rest of them, bad. Pretty yeah, bad. you get Armageddon, you get Ravages of War, and then Red Ones are... They're, like, six mana or more. six plus. They also destroy all artifacts and creatures, so, like, in that same mentality of, like, if you're, like, I'm ahead on board with creatures... And I go and play... You can't play Yakulhops. That destroys all artifacts, creatures, and lands in play. Yeah. Like, I've thought at points about... Like, I have a Gisela kind of enchantment Planeswalker-based deck. I was like, maybe I could play Yakulhops in this deck. And then it would leave my enchantments and Planeswalkers. But, like, that, again, requires me to be ahead on board. Yeah. And, it like, you want a board wipe to help you when you're losing the game, not when For you're sure. winning the game. All right, well... These are a lot of things that, you know, Boros is doing well, I guess, not really the... the, the, <laughs> the, don't, the don't, don't do Mass Land Yeah, but all the other things like combat and uh, combos and stuff like that, things that Boros does well. And we've pretty much only been talking about things that Boros does well, so maybe we should talk about a couple weaknesses that yeah. Boros does so have. so aside from ramp and card drop, like, what are the things going into 2021 that we think are actual weaknesses of Boros in EDH? Yeah. Um, one, one thing is that I, I find that Boros decks often, you know, you want to play on average more lands than other opponents because you kind of really, you you have, you, this, this is what I was talking about earlier, um, where with the modal DFCs and, and, uh, they, they really like increase your range of keepable hands. Boros decks really do need to make sure they have enough lands in their opening hand. Otherwise you're kind of going to flop and, and, and be really bad. So I would say a Boros deck maybe would play 37, maybe 38 lands, whereas you know a green or a blue deck might play 36 or 35, something like that. Right, because like we were talking about, um, like Boros does have card draw and like card advantage, but like just those general like card draw just spells that do it are really good for hitting your land drops. Yeah. So if you like don't have a land tax or weather wayfarer in your hand, you need to be hitting your land drops. You need to sure. make sure you have like at least your first couple land drops, and you need to keep hitting them. Yeah. The sweet spot for an opening hand of Boros probably three or four lands. Yeah, I'd, four. I'd say so. Yeah, and that's why another reason like why rummaging yeah. and stuff is good too because like if you have that higher land count, you are able to hit your land draws. But then later in the game, if you have rummaging cards, you can just start rummaging away your extra yeah. lands when you don't need yeah. them. Yep. Yeah. So more more rummaging cards that are good in in Boros would be something I'd be looking forward to. I really like the modal DFCs, so if they make more of those, that'd be cool. Um. Besides uh, the land thing, um, Boros really doesn't have very good access to free interaction that a lot of other colors have. 
Yeah, and by that we mean, like, spells that you can cast without actually having to spend any mana on Yeah, yeah. So, like, for, you know, everyone knows that blue has 40 uh, free counter spells, you know. <laughs> we've and... got Force of Will, we've got Force of Negation, we've got Fierce Guardianship, we've got Foil, we've got... There's some worse ones. There, Those are the big Commandeer, right? That one's free? I think that just gains no, there's, control of us. Yeah. Spell, doesn't it? There, there, there's, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of expensive ones that like require you to like discard two cards instead of... And then you get... Yeah. There's a lot of them. But... And even like black, you have... Um, you know, you You're have... Snuff out. Snuff you out. have Deadly Rollick. Yeah. The, as far as like creature removal. Um, um, the uh, the Pacts. You have Pact of Negation in blue and Pact of Slaughter Pact in blue. Yeah, black. And, and you do have Pacts in Boros. <laughs> they just don't do anything. They just suck. <laughs> I think what's the white one? Intervention Pact. It like prevents damage from a source and you gain that much life. Red one makes like some like a like a giant. The red something. one makes a four four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes a four four token. Um, yeah, even yeah, but you you do have a couple cards in red. Most notably, you have. Um, what was what's the the if you have your commander you get to change the, the, oh, the target deflecting swat. deflecting swat is is probably the best if not the only piece of real um like free interaction you have and that card's pretty good you've got mog salvage is one that's I like one to that's play. okay yeah if you yeah. control a mountain and an opponent controls a island you can destroy target artifact for free yeah so I like that one for killing like an early soul ring or mana crypt for sure. Um, outside of those, you've got, um, the Flawless Maneuver is the white one, makes your creatures indestructible until end of turn. Not always the most useful effect. It, I don't think you could say that's going to come up in necessarily every game. I think you'd rather be playing Mother of Runes as a protection card, you know, or something like, you know, something one mana. Yeah. And it'll be about the same. Well, because even from board wipes, like, indestructible until end of turn isn't going to Yeah, for one creature, like, it's not yeah. even for everything. Like, I'd rather play a Teferi's Protection for sure. Oh, it actually, it actually is your whole creature. Oh, it's all of them? Yeah, it's all oh, your okay. creatures. I thought it was... Never mind, my bad. Then. But still, like, just indestructible until end of turn. Like, you're gonna get rifted. You're gonna get Toxic Deluge. And if you don't have your commander, what, it's three mana? Yeah, it's three mana. Yeah, yeah. just indestructible until end of turn. It's okay, you could play it. Um, indestructible, sure. I think, is very overrated now, mm -hmm. like, nowadays. Yeah, you could play a more versatile card like Boros Charm. And then, like, in green... Green doesn't have too many, to be fair, but, like, uh, Force of Vigor is a good. really good one. Yeah. Yeah, destroying two artifacts and enchantments. They're yeah. Aze Island green card. For Their me. summoner's pact is actually useful. Oh yeah, summoner's pact. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, you have not, a, not a, an interaction, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, you've got the what's the what's the what's the the pump spell for that they gain four life and then. You know, oh yeah, you could use uh, invigorate. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, probably not want to do that. But <laughs> but so yeah, if they if they make any other any cool maybe. It's mostly a blue thing, I think. Yeah, I don't mind that, that Boros doesn't have this, but it feels like black has a lot of really good ones and green gets a couple good ones too, so... In, in my opinion, it's the main thing keeping Boros less competitive than the other colors. Yeah. Just the fact that, like, blue... Is, has that. It just gets that, like, I don't know what why it's part of the blue color pie of just, like, you don't spend mana on your spells. Like, I don't... Yeah. I guess we don't really need more free interaction in Boros, but it is one of the weaknesses they have to blue and black mostly blue yeah yeah so besides that that's uh, what gives me color pie envy <laughs> exactly um another thing um you know boros doesn't really have the, the 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 quantity of really good one card like win the game effects you know, like big one card finishers like we're thinking like uh crater behemoth or you know um 
you know, something that, what's the... Tooth and nail. Tooth and uh, nail. Expropriate. Expropriate, yeah. Like, sure, you, you've got um, Insurrection, but that's not necessarily always going to win you the game. Yeah. And, uh, Bolus of Citadel yeah. is some, sometimes the next card <laughs> is a land. Well, when I, here's how it works. When I play Bolus of Citadel, it's, it's the turn land. I play to land, my next card's a land. If I'm like, I'm tricky, I'm like, I'm going to play this turn seven, so I play six mana, and I'm going to wait to play my land, so my top card in my deck's a land card. I'm like, oh, based. I'm going to play the land from the top of my deck. The next card's a land. When your opponent plays it, they have a, a woe strider, and they get to scry through their entire deck. <laughs> yeah. Or a viscerous here, and they win. Yeah, you can get, like, assuming you haven't taken a lot of damage before that, just play Bolus to Citadel and maybe get, like, 40 mana, or 30-plus mana yeah, worth that's of crazy. stuff into play, and you're probably going to win off of that. Yeah, and like I said, with, like, uh, viscerous here, if you're playing, like, Aristocrats uh, things, you gain the life off of sacking the things you play, so... Oh, yeah. my God. Or Omniscience. Omniscience. Oh, that card, oh, that wins the game. I mean, there's a lot of cards that just combo with that and win. Like, that you, they're just good cards in your deck. Like, um, Eternal Witness and, um, what's the five-mana counterspell that draws a card and bounces a thing and counter... You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, um... Any of those, um, counterspells that have different modes on them to draw a card and bounce a thing, um, that they're just good cards in your decks. Like, Mystic Confluence. Mis- yes. <laughs> there you go. Mystic Confluence and, like, an Eternal Witness go infinite and draw your deck with Omniscience. Yeah, my take on omniscience is That's if you if you play omniscience, uh, you don't and, <laughs> and nobody interacts with you that turn, and you don't win the game, you shouldn't be allowed to play blue anymore. <laughs> you should have to turn in your car. You should be yeah. notify Watsi. Yeah. I hate omniscience so much. Yeah, and you got like fucking dumb. Rise of the Dark Realms is another like it doesn't always win the game right away, but it's a really big impact. You know, single card single card spell, and you really I don't think you have many cards other than insurrection in Boros to do that. Yeah, I mean, what's the thing that posting that White has? Like, uh... <laughs> um, uh... Board White? <laughs> True! Like but a that, bunch of one But it doesn't even, like, you know, you have to wait a turn, too. doesn't even have any cards that just, like, say, like, alternate win conditions, really, in, in Mono White, or, like... You got the life ones, but that's it, right? Right, it's a approach of the second or, sun. Yeah. What's the what's the card where if you have no permanence in play, uh, Baron Glory? There you go. The cheese stands alone. Yeah, the cheese stands alone. <laughs> what was that from an unset? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, if they make, so you're looking forward. If they make a couple super powerful, you know, like a really good white ten drop that does really good things as a commander, that'd be awesome. And you know, I don't even necessarily like. We don't need it them to make more of it. I don't love this design of card. But if we're going to talk about, like, weaknesses as opposed to the other colors, that's a thing that you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Expropriate's so good. Um, but, yeah, so another thing that I guess we should talk about is that Boros does have access to a lot of tutors for very specific things, like equipment, artifacts, small, you know, small creatures. creatures, legendary creatures. Yep, legendary stuff. Planeswalkers, <laughs> dragons. <laughs> But, yeah, very specific things. Yeah. I mean, the the recruiters are a bit more general. It's just like a power or toughness two or less. Yeah, you can get artifacts and well, the only thing you can really tutor an artifact with is enlightened tutor. Yeah, I think I've heard people say that before, where they're like, well, white can get well, yeah. well, red can tutor other artifacts to the like, graveyard. But like in white, like the only thing you can get used to tutor an artifact is enlightened tutor. So, the, but all the other colors have really good access to getting most things in their deck. Like, blue can get any instant or sorcery from their deck. They can. They have a lot of good creatures that can get, um, like, like the trinket mages and stuff, they can get artifacts. They can get artifacts through a lot of their tutors, too. Put yeah. them into play, even. 
Yeah, blue has really good artifact tutors, and artifacts are really good. Yeah. But yeah, being able to get every any instant or sorcery that you need from your deck is really good. A lot yeah. of great cards, like Spellseeker is insane. Yeah. Yeah, my, mist, or, uh, uh, what was it? The Mystical Tutor, you know, um, Merchant Scrolls. Yeah, they typically, like, in within, like, blue and green, they don't tutor for everything, but they tutor for, like, the things that your deck is usually, like, built around. In blue, it's artifacts and instants and sorceries. In green, it's lands and creatures. Like, what else do you need in your deck? Yeah. It's just, like, it gets everything you really need. Yeah. Like, sure, you can't maybe make, like, a mono-green Enchantress deck and have a tutor for an enchantment. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they the white and red do have access to tutors, but, you know, we could we could do for a couple more, I think. Be nice. Yeah. More yeah. of those creatures that ETB and get you a tutor. Okay. Yeah, those, those cards are always more, really good. Yeah. More redundancy of that. Yeah. All right, the final, the biggest weakness we think maybe of uh, of Boros, mm-hmm. Spencer. It's that, uh, you know, oftentimes when you're playing a Boros deck, like, just think about how the game's going to go. You're going to be playing a creature on curve, maybe you're going to be, you know, playing some things, maybe a little bit of mana rocks, maybe some dudes. Um, it's all really threatening and telegraphed whenever you have something going on. So, you know, like, your opponents are going to be like, hey, um... I'm going to take 30 if I don't do something about you right now. So I'm going to do something about you right now. So, you know, the the, the telegraphing of all your stuff really sucks. And a lot of times in, in Boros, you have to kind of tap out, or maybe not even tap out, but you have to play things and wait a turn cycle to get, like, the full value out of it. Like, Sun Titan has yeah. to attack, kind of, to be really good. Or, like, creatures, yeah. That's part of the reason why we were saying haste is such an important thing in Boros. Yeah. But yeah, like other decks like can oftentimes just sandbag a bunch of cards in their hand, just hit their land drops, have no board presence, and like we were saying with these these single card win conditions, they can just win like off of no board. Yeah. You almost can never do that in Boros unless like you're holding back like a few combo pieces and you have just tons of mana. Like we were talking about earlier, Boros is really good at capitalizing on creatures in play to deal like large amounts of damage or get really good effects. The problem with that is you have creatures in play, and your opponents are threatened by your creatures in play. <laughs> yeah, and like, and we don't love the dies to removal argument, but creatures are arguably the most fragile card type. Yep. They're perhaps also, in my opinion, the most useful card type, but every deck should be able to answer creatures, so typically people are going to be able to interact with you, and you just need to be a lot more conservative with... Uh, running out your threats i think in boros yep so just just uh just recognize that you know oftentimes you know you might when you're playing against a boros opponent you know maybe the uh, blue player that's uh you're not playing too much is a little threatening maybe hit them you know <laughs> yeah i mean especially if you're the uh it's easy to get like sight like get too spooked like if they're going hard on one and like typically they will be going at one person at a time if they're an aggro deck and you might think well i need to deal with them now but maybe if uh, if they're not attacking you, you could just like sit back with your removal, like just wait until they've dealt yeah. with one of your opponents. Oftentimes um, in Boros, you're playing kind of open-handed, meaning that people you, you kind of you have you may have some tricks, but you know people know what you're doing and they can see what you're doing. This is why, like we were talking about earlier, that haste is really good, and you should probably put at least a couple cards that give haste, even if it's just lightning greaves and like a land that does it. Having that ability to come out of nowhere after a board wipe or something and then and just finish someone off or threaten them is really powerful. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 
that's about all we have um, for this episode. There were a lot of things we were going to yeah, we talk about, but we cut it short. We've got a ton of things to say about it, and we probably we probably forgot a bunch of stuff and missed a bunch of things, mm-hmm. but I think we kind of covered why we don't think it's necessarily that weak, especially nowadays. And I... I, I, I just forgive me for a moment. Um, I still see, even in 2020, people making you know jokes about, oh, I'm playing white in my deck, so you know I have to make use of every card I have. I don't have access to the card draw that other colors have, and it's, it's yeah, a it's kind old. of it's a dead meme. Like people saying like, oh, you know, Boros is trash, or like it's it's not viable, or like I'm bringing my my water pistol to the to the gunfight. Like mm-hmm. it's just not true. Maybe a couple years ago, but. These days, I think Boros can hold its own pretty well. Even this last year, like, going over the review of 2020, we've gotten so many sick Boros cards. We've gotten powerful commanders. Like, I could argue that maybe that was another weakness of Boros, that we didn't have very many powerful, like, value engine or, like, card advantage producing commanders, but this year we got Winota. Oh, yeah. We're not huge fans of Winota, but you can't argue that she's not a powerful commander. Yeah. It's a very powerful effect. Even in Commander Legends, you have cards like... Like, Arden. Arden's awesome. Yeah, just giving you, like, pretty much free equips, like we were talking about before. Yeah, all of, even, like, Rogue Rack, you know. Uh, I think, I think what, Jessica's really cool. I don't think I've seen, I haven't played her yet, but she's Oh, she's sick. She's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. And we got, like, in more combo commanders in the form of Zerda the Dawnwaker. Yeah, it's cool. I haven't. It's a pretty strong deck as far as I've seen. Yeah, but, so, yeah, I guess just to, to you know, put a cap on it, you know, like, pretty pretty happy with boros honestly not not it's it's a lot of fun to play and if you if you're kind of been scared of of playing boros because you think it's like really underpowered or whatever i would i would recommend you give give it a try and you know some things to be said you might have to um you know think you might have to be like a little bit more disciplined in your deck building you might not be able to play as many like for for fun cards but i mean i don't know i i like playing good cards how about you yeah just (laughs) i think yeah just Lower your mana curve generally, increase your overall card quality, and you can make a really efficient and you can make a fun Boros deck. Super synergistic. All the cards have synergy with each other. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, I, this is just something that we want to talk about. It's really important to me. I've been playing Boros Commander since I started. I think my first Commander deck, I picked up a Jorkadine because it was in the, the cheap binder at the card store, and I made a Boros Equipment deck and Metalcraft, and it was a terrible deck. This was probably like... God, I can't even remember how many years ago. 2011, 2010? At, at least like five or six years ago. Oh, that long? Dang. But I started playing that, and then around the time, like, I started getting into, like, uh, Commander-like content, and I started listening, and everyone's like, Boros is so crap. And and my deck was kind of crap, but I didn't feel like it was worse than other decks, and I started, I kept playing and making more Boros decks. And the more I played it, I have, um, I think I have five Paper Boros decks and two on Magic Online now. And it's it's my favorite color combination. I think it's it's a lot of fun, and it's it's not as bad as everyone says it is. I agree. I don't think people should be discouraged from playing the colors that they want to play in Commander. And I hope that everyone's able to take this information and make a fun Boros deck. Yeah, try Just not have a to, good time with it. Try not to shame people for playing Boros or yeah. or whatever color they play for that matter. Except for dirty bug players. Yeah, if you're playing, if you main Simic and Sultai all the time and, and act like you're, like, the top of the intellectual food chain. Push up your glasses. Ah, I've come up with something very... Yeah, see, I have broken the format. I am I am a genius. That... Just stop. <laughs> just kidding, of but, course. You can, you can play your colors yeah, and stuff. Do, be whatever, happy about do it. whatever you want. Just, just don't... 
don't act like you're like some genius for saying oh Boros is trash. Like yeah, that's all. Just 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 we're just biting back not a, a little not bit. Not a very original opinion in right. my take. All right. Well, thanks for but watching. This guys, has been know. the first episode of EDH takes, and thank you guys for listening. And hopefully we'll be back with another fun subject mm -hmm. within the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh.